It is good to look out and see all of you all tonight. And I want to start by thanking Danny and Kathy so much for having us into their home tonight and getting to learn a little bit about the work that Danny has done over the years. And I look at that and I'm exhausted thinking about it. I've been at this two years and I can't imagine the labor that he puts into the gospel for so many years and Kathy supporting him. And it's just a, a neat thing to see and I think probably a very good blessing for you all to have him here. You know, tonight there's a few more people I'd like to thank in the audience. Uh, you know, uh, oftentimes it's just assumed they have to travel with Dad, but, you know, my daughters are here tonight again, Ann and Beth, and they, uh, they run the road a lot with Dad as he does things related to preaching and studies and, and that, and, you know, there's usually beef jerky and snacks and sodas involved, but we try to make as much memory out of that as we can, and uh, I'm just thankful for the two of them, and... Um, and Sarah and her support, as we mentioned to Danny. You know, my wife married me as a salesman, and two years ago I sprung on the change of profession to starting to preach. So she has been supportive and, uh, and more than you can imagine, and I'm just thankful to all three of them. And I have to mention Evan sitting on the end of the pew in the family aisle there with us. You know, a young man that came down from, he lives in Georgetown, so just a little bit north of Lexington, all the way down by himself on a Monday night at a gospel meeting. And, Young people, I actually need to point towards them and say, you should consider that. That's something. That's a, I, I got to tell you, Evan, that's something to make me hopeful for this generation. So thank you very much. All right, so I'm saving comments about Luke till Wednesday night, so he'll get his chance then, So especially after I hang out with him tomorrow. So, you know, yesterday we did. We started talking about our journey towards heaven. You know, and we've, I've titled this, you know, confidently walking towards heaven. You know, our heavenly walk should, it shouldn't just be something we're doing. It's something we are. It, it should so overshadow everything else in our life that those things fit into what we're doing to make it to heaven. So to, yesterday we started about how we start that walk. And we talked about what we do while we're on that walk. And as was mentioned, we talked about what we do when doubts arise on that walk. And at the end of the day, I hope that all of us last night could confidently say we felt more sound in knowing where we were going when this life is over. But tonight I want to start with the ideal of what we do in our prayer life for that. And to start off here just a little bit, to, 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 to start in, I've listed some prayers from children that I've, I've seen a list of, and I just want to go through of them to, to just kind of, to one, bring a, a start to this and chuckle, but it's kind of funny because kids' hearts are uh, pure and they often say funny things. But Debbie, at age seven, prayed, Dear God, please send a new baby for Mommy. The new baby you sent last week cries too much. <laughs> Jimmy at age eight prayed, Dear God, how many angels are there in heaven? I would like to be the first kid to know in class and have the answer. A Hank at the age of seven prayed, Dear Lord, thank you for the nice day today. You even fooled the TV weatherman. David at age seven prayed, Dear God, I need a raise in my allowance. Could you have one of your angels tell my dad? And lastly, Angela, age eight, prayed, Dear God, this is my prayer. Could you please give my brother some brains? So far, he doesn't have any. Sorry, brothers, but I was a brother at one point, too, and that probably hit pretty close to home at some point in my life. 
But, you know, we kind of laugh and we start and we chuckle at that as we think about this. But I hate to say, oftentimes my prayers aren't much better. They just stay on the surface and they're on easy things. You know, and as we think about this in our walk, I told Danny I thought he'd like this slide bank tonight because there's chucks in it across the top. And my daughters like chucks too. They like the converse. You know, we, we think about this, and what it says in Romans 8, 26 is we do not know what we should pray for as we should. And when you look even further over, in Luke 11, 1, Jesus' closest followers, the apostles, had to ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. The topic of prayer is a huge study, and, you know, we could probably just have the gospel meeting this week on the topic of prayer if we wanted to. It could, we could do lessons for lessons for lessons to fully cover it. But I just tonight want to kind of come from the, the higher up view, the highlight view of it, and talk about this walk that we have towards heaven and how we should pray while on it in some ways. You know, Christians, as they walk towards heaven, need to pray. That's our lifeline. You know, that, you, know you, you see a fireman go into a building without a tank on their back, they don't do it. That oxygen is their lifeline. I would like to submit to you, prayer is our lifeline in this life. It is critical to us making it. And I think we'd all probably agree with that. But I think there's some verses that also help continue to support this. You know, in Romans 12, 12, it tells us to continue praying steadfastly in prayer. In Colossians 4, 2, it calls on us to continue in earnest prayer, being vigilant, vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And then, of course, this one probably pops to everyone's mind, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Now, before I go on from here, and this isn't my challenge for the night, so the lesson's not over, but... I would just like you for a day, and, I, and I'll tell you, I've tried this, and I, I, I struggled with doing it, and I've tried it a few times in the past. But for one time, just going off these past few verses, think of the one person you talk to the most in your life. If it's your spouse, a kid, you know, it might be you're an employer, and you have an employee that you just talk to all the time. But think of that one person, and for one day, try to pray every time you speak to that person. And see if that doesn't feel weird and kind of condition you to thinking about praying without ceasing. And I'll tell you, I failed miserably at it because I'd go on to a different thing and I'd think, man, you know, how often do we, do, do we talk and stop and communicate with God? But that's a little side caveat and tidbit, tidbit to try. So you might, might try that sometime. But let's go on to look at it because it's the Apostle Paul who wrote these words we're going to look at next, but he not only encouraged Christians to pray, but he also led them by example. So when you look at Romans 1.9, he says, For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers. And in Philippians 1, 3 through 4 the text says there, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy in my every prayer for you all, Philippians 1. And then in Colossians 1.3, it's also written there, we give thanks to you, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always 
for you. So when we think about this, we definitely must pray as Christians, but we can pray about things on our confident walk to heaven that are about others. First of all, we need to talk to the Lord about anything, but I think you're going to see a case where with Paul and other examples that they prayed for others. You know, in Philippians 4, 6, there the text says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. In everything, let your request be made known to God. Talk to him. Talk to him. He listens to his righteous ones. You can really talk to him about everything that's on your mind and going on in your life. You know, and I liken this to, to parents with children. If you'll think about this and then apply to your life and, and continue on. But don't you love it when your children come and talk to you? Without you being the one to have to instigate it? Wouldn't you love it if every time they always came in and sat on the couch and just kind of rehashed their day with you? And we long for that as parents sometimes. But a lot of times we, we prod and we ask and we, you know, we inquire into their day. But just as we want that to happen with us as parents, our Heavenly Father wants us to sit down through the day and talk to Him about how it's going. He wants to hear from us. You know, there's other things that we can pray about. Matthew 6, 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. We can pray to God to provide for our physical needs. That's a definitely an acceptable uh, part of our prayer. You know, look over at 3 John 1 and 2. It says, beloved, I pray that in all aspects or all respects, you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. You know, the Apostle John's praying for the physical well-being of others. Why? Because prayer works. You know, one more area to look at. Let's look at James 5, 13 through 16 here. A little lengthier of a reading, and I know maybe a little smaller, so you may need to turn with me to follow along on this one. But it says, If any among you are suffering, then he must pray. If anyone is cheerful, he is to sing praises. If anyone among you is sick, then he must call for the elders of the church and there to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. In these verses, James is telling us to pray when we're sick. You know, my point in all of this is to say we can pray for physical needs. It's okay. We can pray for healing. We can pray for our, our substance that we're, we're given by the Lord, our, our blessings. We can be confident that the Lord will hear and answer our prayers when it comes to our physical lives. But how many times do we pray only for these physical needs, though? And this is where I hope we'll take a little bit of a shift in our thoughts here. You know, I think a lot of our prayers, especially our public prayers, are top-heavy on those physical things. And it's, it, it's easy. Those physical things are easy to deal with. And they're a lot of times light on spiritual matters. Maybe not. 
you know, I, I hope you all are more balanced than I am at it. So I'm really talking from my shortcoming on this. But tonight I want to challenge you on your walk towards heaven to pray confidently in the Lord, focusing on spiritual things. Because in the end of this, we're dust and we're going to return to dust and this life is going to be over and it's going to be a spiritual life of eternity that we're wanting to be a part of anyway. So I'm asking that we let go of some of this here and now physical and pray for the spiritual. And I think the Apostle Paul gives us some great guidance in this as we'll, we'll continue looking at scripture here now. You know, in Ephesians 1, the whole chapter 1, Paul gives us some keys to meaningful, effective prayer life. And the main key he gives us has to do with other people. And the simple fact is that Paul prayed for other people more than himself when you look at his prayers. He was focused on the spiritual. So let's go over to Ephesians together. And this will be where we look at here next. Again, this is one that's kind of small. So if you want to turn with me, that would be great. All of my quotes generally are from the New American Standard. Uh, so if you're following along, if they have a little variance, you'll know why. But it says there in Ephesians 1, 15 through 19, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you. You know, think about that there. He's heard of their faith, and he's learned, heard of the love for all the saints they have. And that's what's caused him not to cease giving thanks. While making mention of you in my prayers, starting in verse 17 now, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom, of revelation, in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. You know, when Paul wrote this letter, he was sitting in a Roman prison. His circumstances were incredibly difficult. He had no money, he had no freedom, he was facing possible execution, but he was still thinking about and praying for others. And I have to say, my, a lot of my prayers are about things I need, and my circumstances aren't near as hard as Paul's. And where was his focus? On the well-being of others spiritually. Paul was a man of prayer. And notice when Paul prays for these Christians in Ephesus, he never requests material things for them. Everything he prayed about them in that list was all spiritual. And on the Christian character that they should have. If Paul prayed that way, I would submit that I think we should pray this way. And we need to break, the, we'll break down the prayer of Paul here a little bit more and learn how to pray for our spiritual well-being. You know, the first thing on his prayer list in here was to give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation and knowledge of him. We, 
I'll tell you, when I leave here, just because I'm doing the meeting, don't think I've got it figured out. I hope you pray this for me every day. Every day pray this for me if you want to. To have a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. That that might help me in my labor and work of what I do, but every one of us need that prayer. We all need to know the Lord better, don't we? I don't think if we were doing the whole hand raise, I don't think anybody would say they know the Lord well enough in here probably. I know I wouldn't raise my hand to that question. But we need to include this in our prayers so that we can keep getting better. You know, the believer must grow in the knowledge of God. And since we're made in his image, the better we know God, the better we will know ourselves and what some of our limits are. And that's a humbling thing when you think about being made in the image of God. We must get to know our God as our Savior, our Father, our friend, our guide. And the better we know him, the more satisfying our spiritual lives will be. It will be richer and fuller and better than we can imagine. So... By what means do these specific prayer requests to know God better get answered? How do they get answered? Well, it's the same way that it works in any relationship. You have to spend time in it. You know, think about it. Anybody that wants to be good at something spends time at it. You know, years ago, I know I'm in the middle of the state of Kentucky. But Steve Alford came to the little school in Indiana where I was at. And he talked about he would shoot so many free throws a day because he wanted to be good at it. And he would put time in it and work in it and labor in it. And I'm sure that's with other college players too. But I remember him from my childhood, so I'm going to use that out-of-state thing. And hopefully you guys won't tell me not to come back tomorrow night. But he practiced and practiced and practiced. You know, if you want to learn to play an instrument, what do you do? You practice and you practice. You want to get good at soccer. You run drills. You want to get good at anything. So why do we think prayer just magically happens all of a sudden? We have to not practice it in the sense of just doing it for rote. But we have to do it so much that it becomes part of what we are. And you will see... That there's some insight sometimes when different... When you're different places and different men lead prayers, you can sometimes see who really talk to God a lot and who don't by how comfortable they are in praying. Practice that doing will make us better at it. So if you don't pray for your meals, start doing that. If you don't pray before bed, I know these are the little small ones, but do it. Start building somewhere so that when you get to the troubles of life and you have to rely on your prayer life to get you through that day when someone you love is sick in the hospital or about to die and you're, you're leaning on the Lord for everything you have, don't let that be the first time you've prayed. So, as we think about this, the more you do it, the more you appreciate it at a, at a deeper level. But how can we get to know God better? And that answer is given in that text. 
We need to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. It all comes down to this book right here. The more we know it, the more we'll know him and the more we'll know of him and how to talk with him. You know, God has revealed himself in his word completely. The Bible is God-breathed, we might say, as Jesus said of the Holy Spirit in John 16, 13. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Everything we need to know is right here. You know, I would encourage you in your, your Bible, and I know technology has made it easier to have it on our phones, but you know, you sh if you're my age probably, you should have a couple worn out Bibles somewhere in some drawer because when you open it, the pages fall on the floor, so you got you another one. That would be a good gauge of have you been using it enough to get in it? Not always the exact gauge, but have you opened it enough that it's fallen apart? It might help you. The more you know it, the better it is. Um, I still have my original Bible that I rode motorcycles with to go pick out, and you can see where the bungee cord would go across the binding where I'd strapped the seat on the motorcycle. I can't hold it without losing half the pages of it, so it just sets in a drawer, but it's sentimental enough. I keep it, but you got to use it. It's not to be just left on the table. We will never know the God of heaven well enough like we should if it just sits on the coffee table or is left here in the pew and is only used every Sunday and Wednesday. We've got to know the word. You know, in the Bible, we have that truth. You know, what conquered doubt we talked about last night is when they saw the truth, the miracle. This is truth. In the Bible, we have what we need to know God. It's wisdom, it's revelation, it's his grace, it's his love. It's his justness, and it gives us knowledge and understanding to see who the God of the universe really is. So pray confidently for each other that we may have wisdom and knowledge of Jesus. Pray when we, that when we read the Bible, we will truly understand what we're, what we're reading. Pray that we'll have wisdom from it. Not just that we memorize it, you can memorize a lot of facts. You know, I still remember facts from school that I never use today. I can memorize a lot of stuff, but it does nothing for me. Memorize it and learn it in a way that it means something. That wisdom, you know, knowledge is accumulation of facts and figures. Wisdom is being able to use it. Pray for the godly wisdom that we need to be able to use his word to shape our prayer life. Secondly, Paul prayed... In Ephesians 1.8, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There are several things to unpack in this verse here. First, Paul wants them to have good eyesight. He wants them to be able to see what all this is. Why? Because seeing clearly, they will know that they have hope and they will know the riches and glory in which they receive from this. You know, when I got my first and most recent driver's license renewal, I did it without wearing glasses. But every morning, the first thing I do when I get out of bed is I put them on. 
Not because I must, but because I know what I'll miss if I don't. When you have good eyesight of what the scripture tells us, you'll realize what you miss if you don't. There are many people who think they see spiritual things clearly, but by what they say and what they do, it's obviously that they need help because they're not seeing it clearly. You know, instead what happens is they develop thoughts of God and who he is and what God does. And they live not by the very word of God, but they live by their own thoughts and desires of what they perceive God to be. Listen, Satan is real. He's the father of all lies. And he's very, very good at deceiving us by twisting the truth. And again, to go back, how do we find truth? We see it in the pages of the gospel. You know, we all know this. Look no farther than the Garden of Eden. We all know that's why we need to pray for our eyes to be opened so we won't fall prey to what he does that our eyes will be open to the truth of Satan's lies, to the truth of the evil that surrounds us. You know, I appreciate our brother that prayed for what's going on in the schools and that that would be curbed on Sunday. You know, there is evil around us and it's pulling at the hearts and minds of our young people and it's pulling at the hearts and minds of us. We need to ask God to give us eyesight to see the truth. And how do we do that in the request of prayer? You know, no wonder that's at the top of Paul's prayer list for the church as he prays for them. You know, Paul wants them to have good spiritual eyesight so they will know what is the hope of his calling. You know, in Jesus, we have hope. You know, we have an anchor of the soul. You know, we sing that song, the anchor for our souls is both sure and steadfast. This hope is not to be confused with wishful thinking. It's an assurance of a reality that we can have that we have not yet fully experienced. But you know what? This reality will not disappoint us if we'll hold to what the truth of God's word is. So how can we be so confident in this hope as we build on this just a little more? First Peter 1.3 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. You know, our hope is because Jesus lives. And we need to pray that God opens our eyes to this hope fully and pray for our confidence in this hope. Pray that we all stay strong to this hope because it's, it's, it's crucial you know, look back at Ephesians 1.18 again. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint. You know, it's interesting. This phrase doesn't refer to our inheritance in Christ, but of his inheritance in us. Think about that. The almighty creator has an inheritance. Christians are the Lord's inheritance. Isn't it amazing to think that God would look at us that way? is a part of his great wealth. That should make us want to strive to serve him. No, this is not 
the inheritance that God has for his people here. But this is what God has in his people. His own inheritance, which consists in his people. And if we think of that, the purpose of salvation is that we get to heaven and God gets us. It might cause us to think that God is being shortchanged, really, because I don't think I'm much of a prize that he's getting. But he thinks so. If I'm doing his will. You know, if we could really see the church as God sees it, like a beautiful bride in Ephesians 5.27, we would understand how highly God values his inheritance. He plans to present the church to himself in splendor without a spot or wrinkle, but holy and blameless one day. And in Christ, we have that hope to be presented. And we need to pray for each of us to hold tightly to that hope and value that inheritance of the Lord. Now, the last main point I want to make here as we, we work through this is the fact that then Paul prays that the Christians in Ephesus will know the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Think about this. The last time your electric was shut down, and that's happened here recently for a lot of us. Thankfully, around here in this day and age, it's usually pretty quick and it's usually not very long. And we might revert to what people used to have to do for light at night and light a candle and we'll maybe go to bed a little earlier than normal. And, and we think of that as a great inconvenience. But when the power go to, goes down, you realize how important that is. And you realize how much you depend on it. And yet usually what is the first thing said as soon as it comes on? I'm so glad it's came back on. You know, we are quick to acknowledge that. Well, I would like to say we need to be quick to remember the Lord. We often forget to trust in God's mighty power. And we limp along on our own and we don't start praying it to him until it gets bad. We don't get much enlightenment from that, do we? little electrical joke in there but it uh we've got to rely on where the truth and the power comes from and it's from a conversation with god in prayer you know i don't know about you but being able to raise the dead is impressive well the power that god used to raise jesus from the dead is the same power he uses towards us Think about that. everything he gave to his son he's giving to us It is that same power he exercised when seating Jesus at his right hand. That same power that he used to put everything under Jesus' feet. That power is what he used towards us. And that should humble us. And God's power is never out of commission. We don't have to worry about the line being down or something not working on the right. Or He is perfect. You know, just like the analogy of the plane, even though that's a worldly thing, a plane can have trouble. Our God is good and he is perfect. You know, through Jesus, we can overcome anything. There's no power that can stand before him. We need to grasp and embrace this so that we can take on the world and never be afraid to stand for Jesus. 
But how do we do that? Again, we pray about this. Look at Ephesians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We need to pray that we are this way. It's the power of Christ that strengthens me. There's no, no weakness in that. There's no void. There's no, no temporary pause in that. It is consistent and always available. So we need to pray for each other. To be confident and to know that power that the Lord has towards us who believe in him. And if we grow in that, if we build that spiritual prayer life up, our confidence and our courage will grow along with it. You know, it's that snowball effect. It starts rolling and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I'm telling you, when you start praying and you start praying more, and you start, it will get bigger and bigger and our confidence and our courage will get that way as well. So, friends, it's not wrong to pray for physical needs. All right? So I don't want to be mistaken for saying that. There are people in need of God's care and healing, like the Hebrew writer tells us. It tells us to draw near in confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive his mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But I also would like to encourage you that God is on his throne and we have access to that throne. And we, I think, need to, like Paul, pray for the spiritual things. So I would encourage you in the challenge of tonight's lesson is to grow in how we pray. And there's three points I'm going to give you and we will be close to the end of the lesson here. I appreciate your patience tonight. First, in our prayer life, we need to grow in our knowledge of God with wisdom and insight. We need to make that part of our daily prayer for ourselves and each other. And, and you know, maybe leave yourself a post-it note on the mirror. Leave yourself a post-it note on the speedometer to the side so you can see it. Leave some reminder of this and incorporate praying for these things in your prayers. Secondly, pray that we hold on to the hope in him no matter what the circumstances we face. Trial, temptation, sickness, health, anything, hold on to him. Thirdly, and that we will know and experience God's power towards us to accomplish his purpose in our lives. You know, you may have to build a little more time in for your prayers. But I would encourage you to do that. If there's the time for the quick, Lord, help me. Lord, I thank you, Lord. The, but build time into your day to take time to pray for yourself and pray for others that we would grow in these spiritual facets. Because just as the physical things in this life will wear out and, and, and not be of any importance to us, these spiritual things will. And that will be what takes us on through into heaven. We need to pray this way for each other. 
You know, those examples of children's prayers at the beginning of this lesson were sweet and they were simple. And again, we can talk to our Father about anything. But if you really want to grow, and if you really want the church here to grow, and if you really want to be confident in your walk to heaven, make your prayers be about spiritual growth and heavenly issues. And it will change how you live. It will give it a different focus. If we pray like that, we can be confident of our communication with our Lord as we walk towards heaven. And that's, that's the point tonight. You know, if you don't mind tonight, I would like to change and I would like for us to pray together. And then we'll have the invitation song. And that invitation song is the same invitation that we have extended to us at any time. And that's to come to the Lord and to be saved. To hear his word. To believe him. To repent and to confess that Jesus is Lord. And to be buried with him in baptism. And to arise in a new life and walk steadfast towards heaven. Living for him. Or we'll have the opportunity at this time, too, to, to let one another know something we need to pray about for each other. Because the cares, of these the cares of this life are important and they're heavy. But, you know, maybe by knowing and maybe by confessing that, one of your brothers or sisters in here will be able to open up the scripture somewhere you haven't considered before and show you the truth of it, just as John's disciples went back and told him he healed the blind, he healed the lame, he made them to walk, he cured leprosy, and John again went, I know who to trust in. That's what we're here for. That's what every one of us in here are for, brothers and sisters looking out for one another and helping each other. So if you would, here, let's pray together. And then we will have the invitation song. Our almighty God and great creator, I praise and glorify your name. I thank you for who you are. You are great and you are good. And you are loving. You show your loving kindness for us. And we thank you for your mercy and for your grace. Your, your patience. And we know, Lord, we sin. And we please ask that you would forgive us when we call upon you and ask for that forgiveness. We know you are and we're confident in that, but, but help us to be humble and admit that. We're sorry we do sin against you. And we pray that you'll hear our prayer. Lord, I thank you for the faith of the Lakeside Church here and it's trust in Jesus and you, and I thank you for their love and for all the believers that are here. Our great God, please give them and me a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Lord, I pray that our eyes and our hearts may be enlightened so that we will know what is the hope of your calling, so that we may know the riches of the glory of your inheritance, Please, God, help us to know the surpassing greatness of your power. The same power that you raised Jesus from the dead, and Jesus is above all in rule and authority, as he is our head, 
He is our all in all, and it's in him we pray these things before you. Amen. You know, tonight, again, you'll see me stand up here and I'll, I'll hold this word up above my head, and that's really what it is. This song is a call to the gospel. It's not to me. It's not to Luke if he was up here. It's not to any other man. It's a call to the gospel of our Lord and Savior, and it's just a man that would be up front here to help you. So if we can help during the singing of this song in any way, come as we do.